Jesus glad and the devil man. Amen. Let's rejoice. Pick up the Bible as our custom is. Wave them around. Make Jesus glad and the devil mad. And say this together with me, this confession. Say, Heavenly Father, I confess that the Word of God is everything to me. When things happen in my life, the first question I have is what does the Word say about it? And I always consult the Holy Ghost. And between the Word and the Spirit, I have the strategy of victory. And I overcome every time by the blood of the Lamb and the Word of my testimony. In Jesus' name. Amen, amen. I, man, I'm excited just about that confession. All right, let's turn in our Bibles a couple of places. Romans chapter 5 and also uh, Hebrews chapter 11. And we'll get into our foundation scriptures tonight. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And then in Hebrews 11, verse 1 and 2, now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it, that is by faith, the elders obtained a good report. So tonight I wanted to share a message entitled, Faith Diagnostics. Faith Diagnostics. You know, faith is the switch that turns on the power of God. And uh, here in Romans 5, 2, when we turn the switch of faith on, uh, God's grace shows up. God's grace is defined as God's power and ability to do anything. You know, the other day I, I had to take my truck in for service and, and Gladys was uh, at home and she went out to the garage and she's going to start her car and, and meet me at the, at the dealership and pick me up. And uh, finally she called me. She was late getting there and she said, my car won't start. It just says depress the brake pedal. And suddenly I remembered that I had forgotten to change the battery in her key fob. And see, these modern cars, you know, you've got <laughs> the key fob has got to be fully charged. So I said, go in the house and get my key fob for your car and it'll work. And certainly it did. So, I mean, if you ever turn something on and it didn't work, see, well, we'd, we've got to make sure the switch of faith is turned on or otherwise things in our life will quit working. <laughs> Amen. And uh, when, we, when we tap into God's grace, God's ability to do anything, then a man's extremity becomes God's opportunity, no matter what it is you're, you're facing. You know, sometimes we need some diagnostics. You know, I performed a diagnostic there right on the telephone. <laughs> I didn't know at first what it was, and the Holy Ghost reminded me, hey, you, you didn't change the battery. You know, I had a little text message from from uh, her car dealer and it was it said your your battery is going out on your fob and I just didn't do anything about it so <clears throat> you know we need diagnostics especially with automobiles you take your car to the shop they've got sophisticated equipment they've got a diagnostic port under the dash nowadays and uh, if there's some trouble with your car they plug uh, something into it and it gives them a code and the code they look it up in a book and they find out whether it's your pollution control or whether it's your uh, fuel system or whether it's your electric system, whatever it is, it'll give them some indication on where to, where to look for the trouble. 
And then they have other uh, ways to, to further uh, get down to the problem. Or if you've got a health issue, you go to the doctor. They've got all kinds of uh, diagnostic equipment you have to go through. Uh, maybe a CT scan. Maybe you've got to go through an EKG or whatever to find out exactly what is the problem. So when circumstances are not moving that you have been standing against, it's time for the faith diagnostics to roll out. Amen. It's time to go down the checklist. I'm going to give you a, a partial checklist tonight. It reminds, it reminds me of, uh, I had a business partner years ago who had a private plane and uh, it was a Cessna 206, a single engine plane. It was it was known as a workhorse. It'd carry a big heavy load. It wasn't particularly fast, but it would get you there. A lot faster than driving, I can tell you that. And uh, what was impressive about him, he's a very detailed person. And, uh, you know, you had a number of things to check. You had to check outside the plane and get inside the plane. And you checked inside, you know, you checked the ailerons and the rudder and all of that. And then you started the engine. Now you've got another checklist. And it's a pretty extensive checklist. You go through this checklist, and sometimes I'd help him. He'd ask me to read him uh, off of a gauge what it said. And then he'd get down to the runway if they're, if they're at a tr controlled airport, and he'd pull up short at the runway, and he'd have another checklist. So it's all of that, it was a pre-flight checklist. So, you know, let's be people uh, of detail. Let's not go through life uh, brain dead. Amen. Let's, let's make sure that when we're having trouble, we, we check our faith diagnostics to make sure that our faith is having access to God's grace. So the first, uh, first thing in our checklist is uh, check your confession. <laughs> That's probably number one on the list. Check, check your confession. In other words, what are you saying out of your mouth? You know, Hebrews 10, 23 says, hold fast the profession of your faith without wa wavering. That word profession actually means confession. How, how faithful are you, are you to holding fast to a good confession about your situation, about your life, about your health, about your finances? And, you know, sometimes we're real strong in church. We can confess strongly in church service, or we can confess strongly when we're around other believers, but somehow when we're at, at work and somebody says, well, how you doing? Uh, how you doing, Fred? Well, I tell you, I'm just barely hanging on. I, I'm, I'm, I'm believing that I won't have to move out of my house. So <laughs> if you've been confessing that all your needs are met and then you say that, well, you're not holding fast. Um, you know, Hebrews uh, 13, 5 and 6 you know, it says, uh, you know, that he has promised that he will never leave you nor forsake you so that we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I shall not fear what man will do unto me. He always remember he's with you and he's for you. And we're to boldly say, not barely say. And sometimes we just don't say it enough. Sometimes we don't say the right things at the right time. You know, Mark eleven twenty three. it says that Jesus said that we can have whatever we say. It uses the word believe one time and the word say or the version of say three times. And so uh, your results uh, will never rise above the, above the level of your confession. <laughs> so if your confession is faulty, if it's inconsistent, 
inconsistency lies the power. It's not what you say once. It's not what you say in church. It's not what you say around other Christians. It's what you always say, private or public. How are you doing, Fred? I tell you, I'm blessed. Thank you very much. And you may not feel blessed. I mean, you may be late on your bills. You may be feeling terrible as far as physically. It's not wrong to say you're blessed. You're calling the things that be not as though they were. That's not lying. That's Bible. Amen. Sometimes people have a, have a, they feel like they have to tell it like it is. No, tell it like the Bible says it is. That's being consistent with your good confession. So faith is calling the things that be not as though they were. It's the evidence of things not yet seen. So you haven't seen it yet, but it's true anyway. <laughs> so say it's true. Say, it's that, say that you have it, and it will show up. Praise God. So check your confession, number one on the list. Uh, another thing to check on your pre-flight pre -flight checklist <laughs> and do it every time. You know, that's another thing about my partner. Sometimes we would have to land uh, for some purpose. I remember one time we landed at another airfield. I don't remember what it was about. Well, we weren't there but 15 minutes, and we, and we shut the motor off, and we had to take back off. And we weren't there more than 15 minutes. Well, guess what he did? He walked all the way around the plane. He checked the gasoline. We didn't get any gas. The gas is the same gas we've been using for an hour and a half of the flying time that we'd been flying. Nothing had changed, but he went around as if we had not even been in the plane, he checked everything outside. He checked the gasoline, make sure there's not water in the gas in each wing. And then he got in and he checked the ailerons, he checked the rudder. And then he, you know, started the engine and he did his pre-flight checklist, big old long list of stuff. Then he taxied out to where he's going to take off and did another checklist. I mean, he did everything he had just done an hour and a half before. So let's, let's not get bored with making sure that our lives are lining up the way that they should according to our diagnostics. So the second thing we need to check up on is our action. What or have we, have we acted on the word? You know, Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three. you know, whosoever shall believe, you know, whoever shall say unto this mountain shall, uh, be thou removed, be thou cast in sea, shall not doubt in his heart, but shall, uh, believe that those things which he saith shall come, come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. So the word believe there is an action verb. It is not mental agreement. It is not just kind of agreeing in our mind. Believing is nothing less than acting on the word. Or we could say it this way, acting like the Bible is true. So what, how have you been acting during this situation, this circumstance that hasn't moved. I mean, you've been, you've been standing against it. You may have been saying some things against it. You've checked your confession. Your confession is pretty solid. And uh, now the next thing is what, how you've been acting. Have you been acting like the Bible's true or you've been acting the opposite direction? You know, James 2.20 says, faith without corresponding action is dead. And so sometimes we don't really know what to do to act our faith. I've been in situations where I said, Father, I just prayed this prayer. Father, how do I act my faith? How do I, how do I act on my faith? And in one case, it had nothing to do really with money, but God told me to give an offering. 
I know when Brother Hagen was a teenager lying on bed of sickness, 16 months, paralyzed, couldn't walk. And when he finally got a hold of the word of faith and he got a hold of healing, even though his denomination said that healing had passed away, he found it in the Bible. And he said, I believe I received my healing one morning. And then the Holy Ghost spoke to his heart, says, well, if you believe you receive, then you ought to be walking. I mean, you can't believe you receive and lay in bed. Keep in mind, he hadn't walked in 16 months. So he got up, you know, let his legs dangle by the side of the bed. And then he put weight on him. He grabbed onto the bedpost, got dizzy, and had to fall back in bed. He couldn't. But he didn't quit. He didn't give up. Then he got back. In a few minutes, he got back up and stood up again and went back in the bed. And then he stood up third time and walked a couple of paces and got back in bed. And eventually that afternoon, he walked across the room, put on his clothes, walked downstairs, and they had, he had lunch. <laughs> All because he acted on, what he, on the word that says by Jesus' stripes, he was healed. Now, if you're healed, then you're going to act like you're healed. Amen. If you're blessed, you're going to act like you're blessed. Amen. You're not going to have a pity party. You're not going to sob and cry and beg God and all of those kind of things. That's not acting like the Bible's true. As a matter of fact, that's acting like what God's word that you can't depend on. <laughs> it's what it's, it's, you're sending the wrong signal with your actions. So if you're sick, again, get up. Well, I tried that and I'm so weak. Well, do it again. I mean, fight it. Resist sickness. Let your faith impel you into action. Are you broke? Well, give something. Well, I don't have any money. Well, if you don't even have one cent, then give an article of clothing. Give your shoes away. Give something. Get something going so that you can just spit in the devil's face, face and say, look, you're not going to stop me from giving. I'm going to give because I'm a giver. <laughs> Amen. I tell you, we didn't have anything to give one time in a special offering. And I had a car sitting out in the driveway that someone had given to me. And uh, so I had a family meeting, you know. I, I, I said, you know, we've, we've got this extra car. Nobody seems to drive it. I said, I'd like to be part of this missions offering. Brother Osteen's taking up a missions offering. What do you all think about selling that car and giving that, that money into the offering? I, I said, Gladys, what do you say? She said, yeah. I said, uh, Claire, what about you? She said, yeah. Jay, yeah. They all agreed. I didn't want to just do it independently of them because it could potentially affect everybody. And uh, it, we just were going to have one car then. Once I sold that car, we had one car. And, uh, <laughs> and so sure enough, I put an ad in the paper. We sold it. I think we sold it for $1,800. And I mean, it felt so good to put $1,800 in an offering. I hadn't given that kind of money in a long time. Well, we had to sell something to give. Praise God. Do whatever it takes. Resist, you know, lack. Are you sad? Start laughing. You know, resist uh, depression. Resist, resist sadness. Start laughing. Well, I don't feel like laughing. We'll do like Brother Hagen used to do. Ha, 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 you know. Pretty soon, if you laugh like that long enough, you'll start laughing at yourself. At least you're laughing. <laughs> Amen. So you get the idea. Your actions have to line up with your confession. If, you, if, you, if you're believing God's word, then you have to act like God's word is true. That's the definition of faith. You know, Brother Hagen tells a story of a, 
of a blimp called the USS Akron uh, or a dirigible, they called them back then. And uh, it was, it was uh, stationed in San Diego as a Navy vessel. And, uh, and so it was coming in for a landing right there and, and it's on the Pacific Ocean. And uh, it had these ropes hanging from its nose that was dragging the ground and way down on the ground, sailors were hanging onto that rope, pulling it down, trying to pull the nose down to the mooring. The mooring was probably 100 feet off the ground to anchor the dirigible and lock it in so that it wouldn't float away. And uh, suddenly, before anybody could let go of the ropes, uh, a heavy breeze hit that dirigible and it went out of control and went straight up several hundred feet. And before those sailors could let go of the rope, some of them just kept hanging on and, and numbers of them fell to their deaths. Many of them were hurt. And, uh, but one sailor was up there dangling from a piece of rope for an hour and 45 minutes. It took that long for the pilot to get control of that big vessel, get the helium all balanced and everything to where he could get the thing down to the ground and get, get it moored originally like they were trying to do. And so the news media had gathered. Everybody's looking up, and they're just with horror. They're expecting this sailor to drop off. They couldn't believe he lasted that long. Surely he's going to fall. But he never fell. And so they came up to him and said, well, how in the world? All these other people, many of them were dead. Many of them were hurt. How did you hang on so long? He said, well, it, when, it, when it went up, I realized that I had four foot of rope uh, excess, and so I just took that four foot of rope and wrapped it around my waist and tied it off, and I just swung underneath the, the blimp. I swung free, enjoying the view. <laughs> so sometimes you just have to wrap yourself in the Word of God and just, and just delight yourself in the Lord and delight yourself in the victory that you have because He's got you back. He's got you. Amen. He's faithful to watch over His Word to perform it. So watch your actions. And then the third thing on your checklist, check your obedience. Check your obedience. What was the last thing that God told you to do? Well, you know, nothing's going to move in your life. I mean, when you disobey God, you open the door to Satan to kill, steal, and destroy. You're, you've opened the door now through disobedience. And so, you know, Galatians 6, 7, and 8 says, sowing to the flesh will reap what? Corruption. Uh, but, you know, sowing to the Spirit, that is being obedient. No matter what it is God tells you to do, being obedient then reaps life everlasting. There's a big difference between corruption and life. And so in uh, Galatians 2.21, it says, don't frustrate the grace of God. You know, unbelief, disobedience frustrates the grace of God. God wants to grant you his ability. He wants to give it to you. But disobedience stands in your way. And you know, there's two kinds of disobedience. Number one, there's refusing to obey the word. For instance, the Bible says to forgive if you have ought against any. <laughs> Somebody said, oh, I'm trying to forgive. Well, you don't try, you do it. It's not about trying to do it. You, you forgive by faith. It's not a matter of your feelings. It's not about a warm, fuzzy feeling toward another person. It's a decision that you make out of obedience to God's word. You realize you cannot be forgiven if you don't forgive others. That's what Jesus said. 
It's the royal law of love. We're to love and we're not to hold grudges. So that's, you know, if I'm having trouble uh, moving a mountain, if I'm having trouble in my life in a circumstance, I'm going to check my walk in love. I'm going to make sure I'm walking. You know, are you, are you hard to get along with? Are you touchy? Are you fretful? Are you, you know, are you smart aleck? Are you sarcastic? You know, sometimes, you know, we can walk in, in such a way that's not pleasing to God. And it can, you know, Bible says, you know, husbands treat your wives as joint heirs. Your heirs together of the grace of life don't hinder your prayers. <laughs> Peter said that. And so, uh, you know, sometimes our prayers are hindered because we don't treat our loved ones correctly. We don't treat our children right. Are you with me now? So refusing to obey the word or refusing to act on the word, very similar to that. Refusing to act like the Bible is true. You know, you know better, but you just don't measure up. There's a gap between what you know and what you're doing. That gap between what you know and what you do, that gap is all the devil needs to come in. <laughs> He'll move right into that gap and steal, kill, and destroy in your life as much as you, if you don't close that gap. And who's going to close it but you? You're the only one that can close the gap between what you know and what you're doing. So obedience. You know, I, I like what one preacher said one time. He said, you cannot make up by the sacrifice of prayer what you lose through disobedience. You can pray, 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 oh, God, oh, God, I pray you give me this. I pray you do this for me. And over here, you've disobeyed. You can't make it up. No, just, just find out where, where it is that you need to obey God and then make that decision. Oh, that's where I missed it. I'm in disobedience. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. And then get yourself in obedience and watch the situation change. Praise God. So what have we say, seen so far? We're going to check our confession. We're going to check our action, make sure we're acting like the Bible is true. We're going to check our obe obedience. And the last one is we're going to check our joy. <laughs> this is something I have to do all the time <laughs> because we're living in a very contentious age. You know, these are the end days. The devil knows his time is short and he comes to wear out the saints. And it just seems like every time you turn on the television, there's no news. There's just a narrative. It's always the same old thing. All they want to do is distort. They want to give you a line, a, a narrative. They don't want to give you the real news. You don't get the real news at all anymore. And, uh, but Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. You've got to spend time on purpose uh, praising God and laughing and rejoicing, you know, uh, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I mean, we need to be rejoicing in God. Uh, Romans uh, 14, 17, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. No, we don't have joy in the news. No, we don't have joy in the world, but we have joy in the Holy Ghost. We can rejoice because our name is in, written in heaven. Uh, husbands, you can rejoice in the wife of your youth. I mean, you listen, you can rejoice. You can praise God. You can give glory to God anytime because he's worthy no matter what's going on. We don't praise God. I like that little song we sing, you know, I'm going to lift a hallelujah. You're going to, I'm going to sing at the, in the middle of the storm. 
louder and louder, you're going to hear my praises roar. See, I like that. I like that little chorus of that song because it's true. This is what we need to do instead of having a pity party. We need to shout the victory right in the middle of the storm. Amen. And of course, Romans 5, 2, we read that earlier, but you know, we're going to rejoice. You know, it says, uh, we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. I mean, rejoicing is, is accompanies faith. Faith and praise always accompany one another. Paul and Silas, they were beaten with many stripes. They were thrust into the inner prison. They had their feet uh, and ankles in stocks. And the Bible says at midnight, they prayed and sang praises and the other prisoners heard them. They were loud about, they were loud about it, excuse me. And so, you know, they, had, they took time to enjoy God right there in the prison. You know, just take time to enjoy God every day, no matter what the circumstances are in your life, no matter what it looks like. You know, the just shall live by their faith, not by what it looks like, what it feels like. Amen. I like what Brother uh, Hagen used to say. He said, I'm not moved. In fact, he was quoting uh, Smith Wigglesworth. So Ms. Smith Wigglesworth said this, I'm not moved by how I feel. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm only moved by what I believe. And I believe the Bible. And what is believe? Believe is an action verb. We have to act. Amen. So I hope this checklist, this pre-flight mid-circumstance checklist. Maybe before the circumstance gets ahead of steam, you ought to go through this checklist. And uh, it would help you get out of it faster. <laughs> Amen. But uh, let's make adjustments according to your faith diagnostics and God's power will start flowing once again. Faith diagnostics. <laughs>